0: On a Saturday morning, you are in the zone on The Fan. We're down to the Elite Eight, the Wolves escape, and some high school titles to be determined today. Great to be with you, as always, on this Saturday morning in the Twin Cities. I'm Dave Sinekin, joined, as always, at least for... First half of the show today by my partner, the professor of hoopology and star of Channel 45's high school basketball coverage, Double T, Trent Tucker. Good morning, T. Good morning, Davey. You know, in past years, you would come on this Saturday... Have my shirt and tie on. Totally, you know, looking fine. Yep. Quick, uh, obvious recent visit to the barbershop, suit and tie, but today you've got your usual... I use the Workout-type uh, yeah. clothing. Uh-huh. So you'll be escaping here around 9 and heading home, I'm guessing. Yes, to change. To change, yeah. and then uh, off to the Target Center for four state championships to be determined, beginning at 11 o'clock with Russell, Tyler, Ruthton, The Knights. Against Northwoods. Yes. It's much easier to say Northwoods. Well, Northwoods got to the
1: title game a year ago against North High School, and North was a little too strong for them, but... That should be a good uh one A matchup today.
0: That's the first one. That's an eleven. Then they'll of course be two A, three A, four A. Two A should be two A should be fun. You know, you got Mini Ha Ha Academy against Caledonia.
1: You know, two are the, the better athletes, you know, in the state in, in, in that basketball game. So I know Jalen Jay- Suggs. Suggs. Who's the other one? Owen Kings, uh, from Caledonia. He okay. led them to uh A state championship in football in 2A. He's a wonderful quarterback. He's a terrific basketball player. So I'm looking toward that matchup between those two teams and and those two young players as well. And then the surprise of the the tournament, uh, I believe, uh, is Columbia Heights.
0: Knocking Uh, off uh, the perennial juggernaut De La Salle squad.
1: Knocking off De La Salle. You know, they're going to take on uh, Delano. And Delano has has a terrific player. His name is Calvin Wishart. And first time seeing him play in the semifinals the other day, you know, he's a, you know, he's a do-it-all player, player for them. And uh, he's going to be fun to watch as well. And let's see if Columbia Heights can, can still, still ride this wave of magic and win a state championship for the first time in a long time. And I have to take my hats off to Brooklyn Center you know, for what they were able to achieve this year. The first time, Dave, in 35 years that this school has gone back to a state tournament, wow. basketball. And That's great. They have some some nice young players, some some good coaches over there, and and if the Brooklyn Center players, you know, take time this off season and to really work on their games and and get themselves in, in tip top condition, you know, they could find themselves back in this
0: situation again next
1: season. Mm.
0: And then of course the four A game tonight features a couple of star players who who knows might meet a year from now in the elite eight. It could be Duke and Trey Jones against uh, the Gophers and Oturu. And we'll look back to this weekend. Remember when those guys played in the state championship a year ago? Now that's a lot of wishful thinking with your Gophers, but uh, should be a fun clash um, featuring you know the, the great backcourt play of Trey Jones and Oturu is just a force inside. I watched him a little bit in that Thursday game. Uh, he is just a handful to handle. What do you see in that matchup?
1: Well, you, you know, you, you talk about Oturu with his with his inside presence, especially you know with his back to the basket on the offensive end. I think Apple Valley will give him different looks. You know, they're not going to play in one certain way because he he's too good to figure things out. You know, but uh, he's a force on the defensive end as well. But what Trey Jones did last year in, in the championship game against Champlain Park, when he had 24 points and 18 rebounds. Mm-hmm. It may take one of those types of performances once again, you know, for his team to win another state championship.
0: Yeah, they've kind of struggled a bit, haven't they? It has not been an easy path for Apple Valley to get back to the state championship game. You
1: know, you, you just see the quality of, of high school basketball in the state, you know, starting to to go to a whole new level. And and I, as I look at the future of high school basketball here in the state of Minnesota, it's it's on the it's it's on the right track. It's you know, there's some terrific coaching going on across the state. You're seeing players beginning to develop and take their games to a whole new level. Uh, AAU basketball, in some ways, has helped because kids now are getting more opportunities to play. They're playing against good competition, you know, during the off season. And when you play against better players, all of a sudden, now you become a better player. But uh, as I look at the development, you know, from once the season ends and what you do between. This season and next season would be critical for a lot of these young players to continue that development, find the right coaches if you can, find the right strength and conditioning guy if you can, and if you can afford it as well because we all know that a healthy price comes with yes. with special coaching once the season is over. But uh, I see high school basketball in this state being very bright as
0: we move toward the future. Yeah, we certainly see more and more players uh, making uh, the move to Division One schools uh, from minnesota and you know we haven't talked about matthew hurt whose john marshall team didn't get there but uh, he might be as good a high school prospect as, as we've had in a long time uh that, ha- that doesn't have the last name jones you know he's he hasn't decided on a college yet i know he's got all the big boys knocking but uh that kid's going to be a, a real fun player to watch wherever he goes next year
1: yeah he will be and uh, that's that's so many good players in there's some young kids out in, in Lakeville North a kid named Tyler Wall, who I've known for for a very long time, and you know he he has a a, tr- a, a terrific and a tremendous upside you know as a player, and, and if he continues to, to, to add and work on his outside game with this ability to put the ball down on the floor, you know he's a wonderful passer, he's a good athlete. all of a sudden now he could become one of those Division one prospects as well.
0: So, four state championships to be decided today at Target Center. You can watch Trent and the team on Channel 45 all day as they crown champions first game at 11, the 1A game. That's why Trent will duck out of here uh, at the top of the hour. So, we've got them for the first few segments. Lots to go over with you, Mr. Tucker, before you exit. Um, Leading off, of course, with the Timberwolves, who, man, I mean, we look at uh, going into last night. They had about nine games left, nine or ten games left. And that was one... One of those wild card games, like it's a, it's a road Eastern Conference game. We know how the Wolves have struggled in those, but you cannot afford to lose to a Knicks team that came into that game losers of eighteen of twenty one. Certainly, I'm not going to say tanking, but at this point, looking to get uh, the best draft position possible, we'll put it that way. And knowing that they had Philly the next night, tonight on the back end of a back to back, that's a very good Sixers team, fourth in the East. That's going to be a tough game. So, to me, going to these two games, all right, we get the split at worst, and you come home, and the next week, you know, Memphis, Atlanta, Dallas, the schedule definitely eases up. Last game was key, and it, it was a bit scary. First half looked good, but then the Knicks come out on a run, a 15-0 run to open the third quarter to take, I think, a 7-8, 9-point lead, and the Wolves sort of right the ship, go on a 28-9 run, take control, but then down the stretch again, here comes Tim Hardaway, Talk about being in the zone. This guy was unconscious. I mean, some of the shots he hit, I don't know, you probably didn't watch because you were at Target Center. Hardaway was amazing from all over the court. He had th- 39 points. I think it's a career high. Uh, it went all the way down to the wire. Jeff Teague struggled immensely last night uh, after having a great game against the Clippers earlier in the week. Oh, man, it was it was nip and tuck down the stretch. The Wolves escape with a four-point win over the Knicks, trying to guarantee their first winning season since 05. And... Um, you know, just a game out of fourth in the West and a couple games out of ninth. So we're still in the meat grinder, but that was a game they absolutely had to have.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, every game is, is critical now uh, against teams that you should be able to beat. You talked about the Philly game tonight. We'll be tough because Philly also is still fighting for, for better playoff positioning, you know, eastern in the Eastern Conference as well as they come home. They have three teams that we all believe they should be able to knock out, but they have to approach those games the right way. They just can't show up and play because a team like Atlanta, you know, can slip up and knock you off because they're not playing for anything. So they're going to come into the game very loose and free. And and the Wolves must, you know, have the right mindset if they want to finish off the season the right way and make their first playoff trip in 13 years.
0: Yeah. We talk about Memphis and Atlanta at home and, those look like absolute bunnies. And then you think back to last week, and Atlanta went into Utah and knocked off the Jazz, who are playing as well as anybody. And, and both those teams, Memphis and Atlanta, they're at the very bottom of the standings. They're fighting for top five picks right now, top three picks. And you know, you wonder, how much do you really want to win? You always talk about it at this time of the year. There are teams that tanking makes more sense, or at least not putting in uh, the strongest effort to win, which has to drive you, players like you, crazy because you don't know as players what your career is going to be like and if you even be back next year you want to win every game but certainly for some organizations the prospect of being able to add DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, um some of the top players in the draft down the road is a huge deal as opposed to winning a meaningless game at the end of March and April so you don't know what mindset those kind of teams are going to bring to Target Center they're not going to give up, though, and Atlanta proved that in Salt Lake City a few nights ago. Well, I think the players
1: will bring a different mindset. Now it's all about the coaching or how they, they use their, their substitution pattern. If they're going to play the guys who have normally started throughout the season, you know, their normal minutes or extended minutes, then that would tell you that the, that the coaches are trying to win. But if they're using different combinations that they haven't used throughout the season, then they're looking to go in a different, a different direction. I believe uh as we move toward the future with this situation and i and I have to believe that the top guys at the n b a are discussing this matter because this is not good for the fans as well, and there's no guarantee you know that when you look at the college prospects who are coming into the n b a today that they can step in right away and change your fortunes as a franchise yeah
0: we've we've known that for a long time it it's you know they look like the biggest, shiniest prospect ever and doesn't always translate. Last night, Trent, I think what impressed me the most about this team down the stretch was the fight. They had Wiggins and Bielitsa in particular with terrific defensive, I know, defensive hustle plays. Both those guys, Bielitza in one case, diving to the floor to save the ball from going out of bounds. I think it was a four-point game at the time. Um, they just showed a lot of grit last night, and I thought it was the bench play. Tyus was terrific when he was on the court. Uh, Crawford, as usual, uh, delivered some key daggers. Violica had 17, and um, even Gorgie, he only had four points. But you know, I was at the game last Sunday against Houston where Gorgie got in that, that little shoving match with Gerald Green, and he was kind of struggling, as he has much of this year. But he ignited the team, ignited the crowd against the Rockets. In that game where they were down 25 early, yeah, I was they, at that game. Were you there, too? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it cut it all the way to six. The crowd's chanting Gorgie, and he just, just some of the, the hustle and intensity stuff we're seeing from this team late in games, I think, is heartening as we look forward to our first postseason uh, basketball, which we all hope this team is going to get, and I believe they will in light of the schedule that remains. But seeing some of the bench guys really step up in key moments. Yeah, uh, Wiggins had a double-double, only his fifth of his career. Towns was Towns. Um, the guys you expect to be there were there, but a lot of the bench players last night were key in uh, preserving that victory, which is very hard-earned.
1: Well, it's playoff basketball right now Right now for the Wolves. Yeah. They know that every possession counts, and you cannot afford to allow games to slip away that, that, that you should win, because a bad loss here or there, you, know, you can find yourself on the outside looking in very, very quickly, and and they knew going into New York last night that this was a critical game for, for them. But here we are. You're playing against teams that, that may not be playing for anything, but they have some players who are, who are still fighting for their NBA lives. And, and they will compete if they're on the floor. And if you don't approach that game the right way, you know they can, they can cause some misery for you as well.
0: 814, will step away for the first time today. Come back, talk more NBA. and injury last night that might shake up the Western Conference playoff picture, and uh, more NBA Nuggets when we return in the zone.
2: You're in the zone with Dave Sinekin and Trent Tucker on the fan. the fan.
3: Good morning, my name is Tony Landry looking at some scores from yesterday. In NCAA tournament action, Kansas gets a win 80-75 over Clemson. Villanova beats West Virginia 90-78. Duke takes down Syracuse 69-65. And Texas Tech beats Purdue at 7865. We've got Wild Hockey tonight. Pre-game at 745. Puck drop at... Or, uh, 645. Puck drop at 7. It- <laughs>
0: late. Great. Wayman Tisdale brings us back 821 on a Saturday morning. You are in the zone on the fan, Tucker and Sinekin. At least one of us will be here till 10. That's me. We'll have things off to Beyond the Pond, 10 o'clock for all your puck talk needs. Wild game night tonight on the fan. Begins, though, at 5. We will carry... The Cinderella game between Loyola, Chicago, and Kansas State, Elite Eight. We'll talk some Elite Eight in our next segment. Uh, At 7 then, it's Wild Nashville. You can catch the second Elite Eight game, Michigan against Florida State, on our sister station. Let me try that again. Sister station, AM 1130 News Talk, as well as FM 103.5. If you want basketball rather than hockey, and then Wild Fan Line with Molesky and Nicoletti following Wild Preds. Tonight on 100.3 FM, The Fan. Got Trent for two more segments before he goes to TV duties. Channel 45, high school basketball, state title games today. All day at Target Center. Uh, One talks of NBA Nuggets with Trent this segment. Um, Potential earth-shaking injury last night. Uh, This is the time of year. As teams jockey for playoff position, you also just want to stay whole and stay healthy. And uh, Steph Curry, first game back. After missing, I believe, six games with an ankle injury, he's got that that ankle that always is temperamental, but he had fought back and played last night. I think he had 28, 29 points midway through the third quarter when JaVale McGee came down on his left leg, and uh, they're calling it a, a knee sprain uh, to the MCL for Steph Curry. MRI today, Trent, he looked really, really upset after it happened, sitting on the bench, towel over his head, Seem to be, I guess, in better spirits later in the night. But uh, certainly big-time concern for a Golden State team that's just imploding with injuries. With Durant and Green, there was a game the other day in San Antonio where none of the four played. Uh, Green got hurt in the game. Uh, All four were out. And now Golden State uh, dubs Nation holding their breath to see the diagnosis on Steph Curry's knee. Um, But those kind of plays where a big man comes down and and hits you, it it, it can be really scary. And, And Steph Curry now been a whole world of hurt.
1: You know, all of a sudden Steve Curry just became an average coach and Draymond Green just became an average player. That's what happens, <laughs> right? That's what happens. No, I mean, it's it's a scary situation. You know for the Golden State Warriors when when you talk about losing your best players and you know Steph Curry has has had injury problems throughout his career. He's gotten healthy and and when he's healthy, we we seen what type of player uh he has become. And then you you lose Klay Thompson with a fractured thumb. You know, Kevin Durant is down with a rib injury. Now Draymond Green is, is lost with a with a pelvic injury. And and it's hard to to con, to compete and contend to where you think you should be when you don't have your best players.
0: Yeah, it's starting to look like it might be the Rockets year in the West and maybe Harden and Chris Paul will... May not be a bad time to finish 7th in the West. Well, exactly. I was thinking about that because the Wolves right now are 7th in the West and would face Golden State, and they certainly match up. Even a healthy Golden State team, they match up better with them than they do the Rockets. Uh, They seem to really struggle with the style of play that uh, Mike D'Antoni and that Rockets team plays with. So, yeah, I I do think the Wolves will end up higher than 7th when this thing shakes out uh, because they do have tiebreakers over the Pelicans and Thunder and both those teams are just a game ahead of the Wolves right now. They both have tougher schedules on paper, and I know it doesn't mean everything, but uh, the Wolves' schedule the rest of the way is the easiest among all the hopefuls in the West after that brutal stretch they got through. They're now 6-5 and five without Jimmy Butler, and Butler still maintains, Trent, that he expects to return before the regular season ends, which would be ideal, get a couple games under his belt, get his conditioning back before the playoffs start. So in a perfect world, um when the i wouldn't count on it. You don't think you'll see him in the regular I season. Wouldn't. I mean if why well, do you say that? You
1: would like to have him come back, but at this stage if 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 you're coach Tibbs, you know, and the players you can't go into a day-to-day type situation thinking that Jimmy Butler is coming back. If he comes back, it's a plus, but right now we have to have the mindset that this is the group. You know that's going to take us to the end of the season and hopefully into the
0: playoffs. But if they want to do anything in the playoffs, whether it's against Portland or Golden State, you got to have Jimmy Butler. I mean, they just just—I'm sorry, you just but don't if have he's a not chance able in the to series. play. If he's
1: not able to play, well, I get that. And if he can't do what he what he what he was doing before, it doesn't matter. Now, if Jimmy Butler can come back and be the Jimmy Butler that he was before he got hurt, you got you know you got to understand he's out of shape. It's going to be at least what four to six weeks before he even stepped onto a basketball court. And asking him now to take his game one level higher. You know, at playoff time it will be a tall task for anyone. So your mindset right now, if you're the coaches coaching staff of the Wolves, along with the players, is that when you look at the guys who are on the floor now that you're doing battle with, these are the guys I believe that we're going to have toward the end of the season and once we get ourselves into a playoff type situation. Now, if Jimmy Butler can come back and if he's healthy and ready to go, and we know that that knee is is is, is stable and sound, that he's not going to put himself in harm's way as we move toward the future, it's a huge bonus for us as we get ready for the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I'm, I prefer to look glass half full. His hope is to come back for the last couple games of the regular season, get his legs, get his conditioning, and be ready to rock, because usually there's three or four days before the playoffs start. It's
1: going to be hard to get your condition at this time of the year. It's Jimmy Butler, man, come on. Because, because you don't have a lot of practice time. Yeah. And and so you're not going to be on the floor a great deal, you know, to get the type of conditioning that that, that you need to go one level higher when you're playing against the best of the best now at, at playoff time. Like I said, if he can come back and give you anything, and if he's healthy, and the longer you play, it, it could help for sure, you know. But right now, you don't have the mindset of saying that Jimmy Butler's going to come back in two or three or four or five games from now. You have to take the approach that these are the guys that we're going to go with down the stretch. Yeah,
0: no, I get that. Uh, we were both of the Rockets game. You had to cut out early. Uh, one of the interesting... I had tennis duties. Well, of course you did. You know, priorities. <laughs> um, you did not see Derrick Rose kind of go off there in the second half, and he he really brought some energy to that team. But now he's hurt, well. but he's hurt again. Well, he's Derrick Rose. Yeah, so he's dealing with an ankle injuries day-to-day. Uh, but I think he had 14 points Sunday and some explosive plays to the basket. That one slam dunk brought the crowd to its feet. I didn't Um, see that. I heard about it on the radio, but I didn't see that. You know, he's a divisive player when it comes to Wolves fans, but you you get a little taste of of what he might be, you know, in a playoff series to give you some boost off the bench. Uh, Just would like to see him get healthy, stay healthy. Again, that's what it is all about in the NBA, which brings us to San Antonio, um, which played the game of the night last night. The Jazz were in town, and um, it was a two-man game. It was LaMarcus Aldridge on one side, And um, Donovan Mitchell on the other. Mitchell hits a long three to send the game to overtime. And uh, Aldridge was not to be denied. The Spurs win it in OT. The Jazz are eighth in the West, setting up a big game next Sunday at Target Center. That one's going to be huge uh, for playoff positioning. But um, the San Antonio team continues to win, continues to play without their best player. And it's just a, I'd say the most bizarre story for me in this NBA season is the curious case of Kawhi Leonard, who... You think of Kawhi Leonard, he's the most unassuming, at least the perception is, the most unassuming, all-star, superstar-type player, all about team, all about just doing the dirty work, best two-way player in the league. He's been dealing with this injury since the playoffs last year, really. Uh, He went and got it fixed outside of the team, had his own medical people uh, fix him up, and he has not been able to go. And It's just curious, Trent. There's been reports that they had a team-only meeting following the Wolves game last week when everybody was clear out of the locker room except just the players, and they were imploring Kawhi, reportedly, to come back and rejoin the team. Kawhi supposedly says he cannot play. Um, Players seem to think that he's okay. I don't know what to make of this story. It's just so incredible. that There's never drama like this in San Antonio. Uh, Popovich has created a... A team and a system that's the envy of all others in the NBA, and now you've got this Kawhi Leonard story. Doesn't sound like they're going to have him back this year. What do you make of of what's going on with him?
1: Well, you know, the one thing I would I would never do as as being a former player is question someone's you know willingness to play. And if he if he feels like that physically, he just cannot do it. His body is not where it needs to be to help this team. Well, then then he's taking the, the right approach, but. If there's something else going on, then that's a real bad situation for the for the San Antonio Spurs. You know, but the Spurs are in the same boat, you know, as the Wolves are in some sort. It's just different. We know that Jimmy Butler is hurt, but we don't know, you know, the extent of the injury of of Kawhi Leonard, but we're gonna take him at his word. If he can't go, he 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 can't go. But the Spurs have to move on as they get themselves to, to fight toward the end of the season and hopefully make another playoff run. It's that they can't worry about Kawhi Leonard. If he shows up and if he comes back for the for the last eight nine games of the season, and if he can get himself prepared to play as they move throughout the playoffs, that's a bonus for the San Antonio Spurs. You know they have to have the mindset that now the guys who are on the floor today are the guys that we're going to try to finish off the season with the right way, and hopefully have these same guys as we get to another playoff type situation.
0: Yeah, it's just really strange. Um... This, the whole story from early this season to today, um, his injury was seen to be not as serious as Tony Parker's. Parker came back, similar injury. Parker came back much sooner. He's much older. Uh, it, it just, you scratch your head. You, again, you tip your head to Pop for that team being fourth, I think fourth or fifth in the West. And uh, they, they won five in a row and kind of righted the ship. Now they got some great veterans. We talk about Lamarcus Aldridge career high forty five last night. Right now he
1: he is playing as well as any low post player with his back to the basket in, in the game. And and you know, last year he was he was criticized in the Western Conference Finals by many uh, for not showing up. But that was a tough situation for him to be in because last year throughout the season, you know he did not dominate the basketball. You know like he had to do this year. And now you put him in a in a one. Matchup series against the Golden State Warriors, knowing that they're going to double team and triple team him. Mm-hmm. You know that's a tough situation for any player to to be in. And he and Pop had a had a long conversation, you know, during the off season. And and, and Pop had to had to come to a realization is that maybe I'm coaching this this guy the wrong way. Maybe we're not using him how he was used uh, in Portland. And they figured things out. You no know, Kawhi Leonard, LaMarcus La- 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 Aldridge now became the focal point. Of the San Antonio Spurs, and they're still fighting for a playoff spot. They are.
0: On the flip side, Donovan Mitchell has been the story among rookies. Where did he come from? This year. Well, Louisville, but no.
1: <laughs> but I mean, yeah, where did he come
0: from? Yeah, I mean, was, no one saw this. No, he, he was not this kind of prolific scorer at Louisville, and maybe it was the system. Maybe he just came into his own. We saw him at the slam dunk contest winning that. Uh, he has been a remarkable story, and he's the reason that Utah, you know, with Gobert back and Rubio playing at a high level. Uh, that's a, a team that's on the rise right now, and a team the Wolves are fighting desperately with to stay above. Uh, right now, they're seven eight in the West, and as I said, they'll meet next Sunday night at Target Center in well, what might be the the best game left in this regular season. Um, we have to step away eight thirty three. We'll come back. Trent's final segment. Couple more NBA nuggets. We want to talk elite eight with Trent, and uh, we certainly welcome your input six five one nine eight nine five three two six or toll free eight 800- hundred three two zero five three two six in the zone returns right after these
2: you're in the zone with dave Senekin and trent tucker on the fan, the fan. <laughs>
0: back, 8.39 on a Saturday morning. You're in the zone on the fan. Tucker and Sinekin with you, talking hoops. I want to chat a little uh, NCAA tournament in a moment. We talked about the Steph Curry knee injury suffered last night, MRI today. MCL sprain. the initial diagnosis. Boston Celtics also awaiting word on their best player, Kyrie Irving, who's having a procedure done on his knee. He's missed... The last couple weeks and they don't know how serious it is they don't think it's serious but until they go in and take a look calling non-invasive look inside his knee um certainly the Eastern Conference hangs on that thread but Boston goes into Portland last night without Irving and max off the blazer that was
1: a great game coming down the stretch
0: I didn't see it I was it, able it was to on catch, NBA TV yeah I was
1: able to catch you know the the latter part of the game and you know Boston made some some huge huge plays uh on the offensive end, is it Rozier who's the point guard? Yeah, from Louisville. Yep. And then uh, he made some he made some big plays, some big shots, and you know it's hard to to guard C.J. McCollum and, and Damian Lillard. But the, the Celtics showed a a great deal of determination and grit and fight? And you know they have some they have some good players on that. They team. They really and, do. That was a huge huge road win for them last night.
0: Amazing, really. You look at a uh, Portland team now that's dropped a couple straight, but they're Sitting there at third in the West, actually just a game ahead of OKC now, two ahead in the loss column. Um, but but for that Boston team, as banged up, you know, Marcus Smart's out, and then, of course, Irving's out, uh, to go into Portland and get a win there. And and Boston's really locked into the number 2 seed in the East. It's not like they're fighting for their lives and their positioning. Toronto has a 4.5-game lead over Boston. Boston's 6-up on Cleveland, so they're second. I mean, they are locked into second. And I give Brad Stevens and that team a whole lot of credit. To go to a tough place like that without your leader in a game that you know doesn't mean a ton, um, and to get a W, I think that says a lot about that team. And I, you, know, you look at the they've drafted, with all those trades they made, they've had some top five picks despite being a very good team. And Tatum and Brown, they, they've hit on some young players. Uh, I really think Boston is set up. You get Gordon Hayward back next season. Boston's set up to be the force in the East. Philly certainly is coming. Toronto's had a great year. But with Cleveland being in flux, with LeBron's decision part two, yeah. um, Boston looks to me like a team that's set up to be really, really good for a long time. But
1: also, you know, they picked up the right veterans as well. You know, and uh, their future, you know, uh, hangs in the balance uh, of, that, of that need for, for Kyrie Irving. And if he's healthy, you know, for the next three or four or five years, sure. You know, you know they could be the toast of the you know, of the Eastern Conference, you know. But without him, yeah, yeah, as good as those young players are, I, I don't see them, you know, no, no taking over that top spot in the Eastern Conference without Kyrie Irving.
0: Agreed. Um want to switch gears to talk NCAA tournament in our final minutes with Trent today. Um, but first, let's head to the zone lines. Welcome back, good friend John in Minneapolis. Good morning.
4: Good morning, Mr. Sinegit. Good morning, Mr. Tucker. John,
0: what's up, my man?
4: Uh, happy college basketball, NBA a little NFL day, T. Mister Tucker. All right. Uh, I heard y'all talking about Gorgie Ding a little earlier, uh, and also Donovan Mitchell. Uh, who did who, who? What college did they come from?
0: They were both from the, the University of Louisville,
4: right? And, I mean, and Gorgie Ding, with, with whose head coach was he in under when he was in college?
0: That would be Rick Patino.
4: For all you Pitino haters, that's for you. Uh, I'm not sure what that
0: means, but okay
4: Okay, the the college college basketball goes, Buffalo, uh uh-oh You didn't do what you did against the other set of Wildcats And the younger Wildcats set you up Enough said Moved on to the other Wildcats versus the Wildcats Kansas State, people are sleeping on that team They're a lot stronger defensively and, And they got some point guards that will take it at you Kentucky found that out. But, uh, I think that's going to be a good game today. Now, as far as Michigan, uh, one of my partners told me, talking about how did Michigan run over Texas A&M like that? Because Texas A&M was still stuck in North Carolina, North Carolina. If you watch that team, they play from the inside out. We've all watched Michigan. We know they play from the outside in 14 threes. Enough said Texas A&M never saw that one coming, but, uh, Everybody is going to be talking about Villanova getting past whoever they got past last night. I don't even care, but uh, I want to West see.
0: Virginia, a very good West Virginia team.
4: Yeah, but West Virginia don't shoot threes. Villanova do. Yeah. Hmm, we just got to talking about that. But uh, Villanova and Kansas and Duke and, uh, and K-State, wouldn't it be funny if K-State and Kansas got to the, the Final Four, and that's from old school Big Eight people, well, they ever remember that, but uh I do. But uh I would love to see that happen. As far as the NBA goes, last week I talked about Golden State. Oh, my goodness. If this man has a bowed-out knee or whatever, torn ACL, woof. People down in Houston must be just happy that that, that they're hearing this because right now Houston is a team you do not want to see. Y'all was talking about Boston. Man. I don't know who's gonna come out the out the east, but it is something to think about, Mister Sinigan. Yes, sir. Uh, I heard y'all. This, this answer this question first before I talk about your offensive coordinator. What was the the wide receiver's name that got the big money contract last season?
0: For the pack, Devontae Adams.
4: Okay. Now the offensive coordinator. Do you? Of course, you remember him, don't you? That y'all have the new offensive coordinator.
0: Okay. Y'all I mean, Mike to... McCarthy is the offensive coordinator, really.
4: Well, what about the Philbin dude?
0: Yeah, I mean, Philbin will sort of be the, the game plan guy during the week, but McCarthy calls the plays.
4: Oh, I thought y'all was going old school and trying to get back to the Super Bowl like y'all did when y'all had him running the plays. But <laughs> McCarthy's
0: been he... calling plays the whole time.
4: So y'all still running at 3-4?
0: Uh, Well, Patton's kind of a maverick. He'll run 3-4, three, 4-3. Four, four, three. Uh-huh. He's not going to paint himself into a corner.
4: Okay, but the Vikings got Sheldon Richardson. Last week I took a shot at him about him having a big mouth. I think Zimmer having a flashback of him looking like Geno Atkins. It is what it is. But uh, all the old school people going to remember this, just remember all the players that left the Vikings and went on to get other people. Another person that should be real happy this morning is one Clemson Tiger guy. He got a $137 million qu- uh, quarterback. Yeah, Jared McKinnon, he should be
5: real
0: happy. Except his team lost last night in the Elite Eight, uh, Sweet Sixteen. I gotta let you go on that. Um, closing on four minutes. That's well overdue. Uh, call us again next week. Um, he did reference some of the uh, Elite Eight matchups. Trent, I want to get your thoughts in our final five or six minutes together before you cut off for TV duties. The four teams left on the right side of the bracket. Okay, um, a one, a one, a two, and a three. I did my math. That totals seven. The four teams left on the left side of the bracket, seeds total 32. Okay, uh, It'd be fun to kind of shake everything up now and reseed everybody so you'd have a chance at a Villanova-Duke or a you know Duke-Kansas championship game, but that's not the way it works. Um, three Big 12 teams remain in the final eight uh, as they make a case for being the toughest league. The ACC right there um, all season is long, but they just have Duke and Florida State Left. There's one Big Ten team left, Trent, and we talked all season long You know which teams have Final Four potential, and, and Purdue and Michigan State pretty much led everybody off their lips. We thought even the Gophers would be the next team uh, after those two as we looked at the season.
1: Nobody talked about the Wolverines,
0: huh? Nobody talked about John Beeline's Wolverines, the Big Ten tournament champions two years in a row. We knew Mo Wagner was coming back, but we didn't know what else they really had. Uh, Abdul Rahim has been terrific. They... Put on a clinic on Thursday night. They they look like the best team in college basketball Thursday night as they put ninety nine up. They were just on fire fifty two in the first half. Wagner hitting threes. Michigan right now is the favorite to reach the finals, and um, for the Big Ten that would be great. It's been a long time since we've seen a Big Ten national champion. But I we got to tip our hats to John Beeline and what he's done. He is the most underrated coach. He gets his team to believe and they get better and better and they've steamrolled through the tournament two years in a row. What impresses you about what you've seen from Michigan?
1: Well, he's he's been able to bring in the right players to fit his system. You know, today's game is all about three-point shooting. You know, spread the floor, you know, drive and kick and, and look for the three. Right in transition, we don't run for layups anymore. You run to the three-point line. And his system... Uh in the Big Ten is working is because he has been able along with his coaching staff to bring in the right players to fit that system.
0: Yeah, and they are just believing and they're playing great. And uh they get Florida State tonight, uh game Michigan's favorite to win. Um the other game tonight is the Cinderella matchup between it's the first time ever in the Elite Eight that a nine and an eleven have matched up for the regional final. It's great
1: for college basketball. It is,
0: and great story in in Loyola of Chicago, the 11th seed.
1: And I guarantee you, right, there's none of those guys who go, if they are seniors, in in the top 15 picks in the NBA draft. There's no question about that. (laughs) That's
0: uh, that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, Cool subplot. There's a kid on Loyola's team named Marcus Towns. No relation, but they were high school teammates. Uh, Carl Anthony and Marcus Towns played together in high school, and it just, again, shows you, you know, Towns could still be in college basketball as a senior this year. But it might be a bad omen for him. Why is that? Because he couldn't win at Kentucky. So the best thing to do was to leave and go to the NBA. Yeah, and make the millions
1: as the well, number one Well, if he can't pair. win at Kentucky and college basketball, it's time to leave. Where else can you win at?
0: Well, I would argue that when you're counting on five freshmen to win six games in the tournament, that's, that's tough. Well,
1: they all went to the NBA.
0: Yeah. So the NBA, varying
1: degrees of success. So if the NBA believes that you are good enough as an 18 year old or 19 year old to play at the
0: highest level, shouldn't you be the best in college basketball? Yeah, but you know how that works, Trent. It takes a team, it takes uh, all the parts. It's not just about having all the stars. You know, uh, Duke is doing it this year with one senior and four freshmen, um, but it doesn't always work that way. I think Duke's set up right now to. uh, Can Duke beat Kansas? I expect them to beat Kansas. I don't. You
1: don't? No. Really? I I think Kansas will walk away and move on to the Final Four.
0: Okay, yeah, I'll take Duke in that matchup. Uh, Kansas, they had a huge lead last night, and they let Clemson sneak back into it, and it ended up being a four-point game. Uh, Kansas led by 20 in the second half. Yeah, it happens. They didn't close well. Devontae Graham is a terrific guard. He leads that team. They got some nice size, um, but I I don't know if they have enough to handle Duke. Um, I, I just... I think Duke's coming together their at bagley, the right time.
1: The bag is a handful, for sure.
0: Yep. You know, but and so is Carter. Gary Trent's, you know, hit and miss as a shooter, but uh, he had a couple nice plays last night. Looks like he's ready to step so up. So we
1: have two blue bloods going head-to-head, right?
0: Yeah, finally, in this tournament. Duke-Kansas will be the signature game tomorrow night. Villanova just keeps doing what it's doing. They struggle with West Virginia for much of the night. Um, and then they just go on a run there in the second half and run Bob Huggins' team. Off the floor. That's
1: who is your favorite to win a national championship? Of the teams who are left right now, look as they get to the elite eight. You know who do you think right now among of the elite eight teams who are left? Who would be who will be your favorite to win it all?
0: I think Villanova. I'm with you. Yeah, on that. I think you know Brunson and Bridges. Those two guys have been through this before. Jay Wright's a terrific coach. Um, I, I think Villanova gets past a Texas Tech team that ran Purdue off the floor last night. Purdue was not whole. But Texas Tech looked like the better team, even if Haas had been out there. I think they would have, would have gotten past Purdue. Um, I think Villanova gets past Texas Tech. I think they'll play Duke in the semifinal, and um, and I think Villanova's got enough to knock off Duke. I think it's going to be Villanova Michigan in the national championship game, and and I'll ride with Villanova. Just those two guys are are just such uh, assassins at this time of year. Uh, Michigan wouldn't shock me at all if they came through and and took down the Nets, but uh, right now my money's on Villanova, Um, but I think the Villanova-Duke game, if they play next Saturday night, uh, that's just an epic game. Again, I wish they were on opposite sides, because that would be a great national championship game, but this way this has gone, 17 million brackets in ESPN's uh, bracket challenge. How many do you think got this Elite Eight correct, out of 17 million?
1: Probably none.
0: Zero. Zero out of 17 million got these final eight, and obviously Loyola being the big Surprise, you know, some Chicago fan would have to really fly with them and, and also pick Kansas State to meet them, and that's the region that really got blown up. Uh, it's not as sexy as it could be, you know, if all the Blue Bloods were still playing. It's fantastic. But Loyola, Kansas it's State. Better.
1: It's better it's better than all the favorites, you know, showing up once again. This is this is great for college basketball. And the people say, well, it's not sexy. Hey, you know what? The teams with the names and with the sex appeal, hey, they weren't good enough to win. Okay? And what it comes down to. about Virginia is not
0: the sexiest team anyway. But when when you
1: get onto the floor, it's all about who can perform at the best at that time. I mean, years ago, people talked about that when the Spurs play somebody, I think the Pistons and the NBA Finals. well, we wanted to see LeBron James, we wanted to see X, Y, and C. Hey, you know what? I understand that. You want to see the big-name players, but you know what? At this time of year, if they're not good enough to get there, hey, don't fault the other two guys because they went out and got the job done.
0: No doubt. And... um. I'll certainly be rooting for Loyola today and love to see them get to the final four with the sister, whatever her name is, the 98-year-old who's become the star of this tournament. She's a sister Jean, Tony tells me, has a bobblehead uh, that came out. I don't know how fast she can make bobbleheads, but they are already selling bobbleheads featuring sister Jean, who didn't believe enough because though she had Loyola in her Sweet 16 bracket, she had them losing, I believe, to Virginia in uh, the Sweet 16 round. But she's become the... Lovable star of this uh, NCAA tournament. 98 years of age, still how, filling out brackets. How great is that? It's as good as it gets. Uh, you have to leave us, don't you? You yeah. all have, to, uh, I have some great games to, to watch today. Get dressed up, a little makeup on, powder your face a little bit. High school basketball is fine in the state of Minnesota. Four state titles to be determined on Channel 45 today. Watch Trent doing his studio work before, at halftime, and after all those games and uh, hopefully we'll have four terrific matchups, and good luck to all eight squads today. All right, Davey. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you next uh, next Saturday, Easter weekend. Have a great day. We'll watch you on TV. Today. All right. That's Double T. I am back solo, along with Tony Landry. Uh, we certainly would welcome your input. Love to get some calls next hour. Talking hoops, talking NFL, 651-989-5326, toll-free 800 800- 3205326 our number 2 in the zone right after these
2: you're in the zone with Dave Sinekin and Trent Tucker on the fan, the fan. <laughs>
0: Back, or at least I'm back. Nine oh one on a Saturday morning. You're in the zone on the fan. Sinekin and t- Sinekin and t- t- Tony Landry. What big shoes I have to fill, Tony. I love you, but you can't fill double T shoes. I wouldn't even want to try. Yeah, I don't think it's possible. But Trent off to Channel forty five duties to uh, cover the high school state championship games today all day long on uh, forty five. So he ducks out. And, uh, it's Tony and me for the final hour of this show. And, uh, we certainly would love to hear from you. If you want to talk March Madness, a little NBA, some NFL, we'll get to all those subjects in this second hour. As, um, this is the day the Elite Eight uh, marches into action tonight. We'll carry the first game, Loyola, Kansas State, the Cinderella matchup. That tips a little after five o'clock on the fan. The second game, Michigan, Florida State, you'll hear on our sister station. AM 1130 or FM 103.5 because we'll have the Wild on the fan. Wild Preds, a little after 7, they drop the puck, and fan line follows with uh, Molesky and Micheletti uh, tonight on uh, the fan. Tomorrow uh, we will carry the first game on the fan and the second game again on AM 1130 with the Wild again in action against the Bruins, six thirty. Uh, puck drop tomorrow night, so back-to-back for your wild. Much more hockey talk coming up in an hour on Beyond the Pond. Uh, As you know, we don't delve into those waters too often, unless Trent just feels like he has to say something, because he loves the game and his boys love the game. Uh, I want to talk more college hoop, more about the tournament. We didn't get too much into it uh, with Trent, but um, we've got one side of the bracket that's full of blue bloods and one side that's full of can't-believe-we're-here's outside of maybe Michigan, who will take on Florida State in uh, in the late game tonight. Talked about it last segment. 17 million brackets on ESPN.com and zero have the Elite Eight. That surprised me a little bit, uh, Tony. I, I know you know maybe a couple people believed in Loyola and, and put them into their Elite Eight. And I could see that. But then you know getting the Kansas State side of that as well, those are the two that are really the giant surprises, right? Because the other side, I'm sure many people have all four correct on the right side, if you believed in Kansas and Duke, which I'm sure most did. Villanova, Texas Tech, that's 1-3. So I'm sure there's a lot of chalk for people's brackets on the right side. It's the left side where all the craziness ensued. Well, that's kind of the problem,
3: and you go back even to the opening round for the first time ever, as it's been discussed at great length, that a number one seed goes down. So there might be people that got close with a lot of these things, but getting the absolute perfect through to the Elite Eight... You have to think, I mean, if 17 million people on just ESPN couldn't get it right, and there's not one Loyola Chicago alum that figured, well, why not? I'll fill out a a bracket just for fun. You always see that every year. It's like the one person that's uh, like George Mason when they made their run a few Mm -hmm. years back. Like, oh, I, I graduated from there, so I thought it'd be fun. I didn't get any of that this year, but I am completely... On the uh, number eleven seed Loyola Chicago bandwagon from here on out.
0: Yeah, I'd love to see it. I, I like their coach uh, Porter Moser. I, I I like the way he just you watch him during a game, and I just I just like uh, all of his mannerisms and how he coaches his team. It's a team that won thirty games in the regular season, but I, what is it? The Horizon League. You know, doesn't get a lot of love from, and I think whatever league they're in, I think they replaced Creighton, so maybe it's Missouri Valley. I forget yep. what is it Missouri Valley? I believe played? so. I'll double check though. So I believe they went from Horizon to Missouri Valley to replace Creighton, who joined the Big East, and um, they certainly have earned their uh, their way into that conference, the money they're earning for that conference by reaching the Elite Eight, and and frankly, I think they're going to give Kansas State a really good run. I, I think they're going to beat Kansas State today. Uh, that's a good team that. You know, took down a Kentucky team despite the fact that they didn't get to the free throw line, they didn't rebound, they didn't shoot well, yet they just did enough to knock off John Calipari's Kentucky team. Then you read the reports after that game that the Kentucky players and Calipari did not shake the hands of the Wildcats after the game using the lame excuse that they were all celebrating. I just, I hate that because then you look at the other side of the coin and a guy like Vincent Edwards at Purdue who had a terrific career, heartbreaking way to end it. And he actually went into the Texas Tech locker room after the game last night to shake all the players' hands and congratulate them. And I just think that's what we want to teach young people. That's class. That's sportsmanship. Uh, Kentucky with a bunch of young kids and a coach that cares more about, you know, getting players to the NBA than he does representing the school on the uniform. Uh, Two very opposite uh, ways to end their season. I give... uh, edwards and that purdue team a whole lot of credit for showing some class last night
3: just uh as one quick thing yes it is the missouri valley conference they're in and it's always weird when you have players that are celebrating and uh you know, the coaches like the the fake handshake and back pat and hey great job but you know good luck the rest of the way that's just kind of standard but it is always kind of awkward when you have one team dancing and the other team tries to come over and awkwardly, hey, you just beat us and we're Kentucky. So wait 10 seconds. Or just do it when you guys get into the locker room area. Yeah, you, know, I, you don't have to do it on the court necessarily, but wait a few seconds, let them get their hats, let them get their t-shirts and then, hey, good luck the rest of the way home. I,
0: I think once they're in the locker room it becomes kind of a free-for-all. I get it, they're all jumping up and down, but they're going to see you after 10 seconds and they're going to do what, what you're supposed to do, and that's walk the line, shake everybody's hand, wish them luck and, and show some sportsmanship. You know, and we teach our kids and I've coached my kids a lot and same deal. You know, a heartbreaking loss. The last thing you want to do is is line up and, and congratulate the guys that just beat you, but that's what you do. And then you go shake the referees' hands and you you show some some sportsmanship because ultimately, you know, those are the lessons we're trying to teach kids in life is win or lose, it's all about the game and um I don't think Kentucky's players followed that rule very well.
3: No, they didn't and it's I hate uh, you know, you don't want to pile on a coach because in the long and short of it, Coach Cal is a, he is a good basketball coach. He gets great talent. Now he does care about sending his kids to the next level, but when you're Kentucky, isn't that kind of your job? I mean, it might not be the only only try to take kids that are one and dones, but your job at that level of basketball is sometimes to prepare guys for the next level.
0: Yeah, I just don't buy that. I understand that ultimately a lot of these kids believe and hope they're going to be NBA players, but so few do, and so much has to go right that I'm old school. you know. To me, it's about, well, let's try to win at this level. And yes, get better and, and prepare for the next if we're good enough to be there. But 95% of these players are not playing at the next level. It's all about college basketball. But Kyle Parry makes no bones about it. He's there to prepare his students to play in the NBA. And I know Big Blue Nation, which is as as loyal and fanatic a fan base as there is in basketball, I know a lot of fans from Kentucky, it drives him crazy that, that the coach just says it's not about the school. It's about me getting these guys ready to play NBA ball. And that's that's just antithetical to what you want your college team to be all about. It's it's about let's try to win some championships here and make some history and then, you know, worry about the next level. That's just not how Calapari operates. It's not how he operates and Kansas and Duke don't get quite the rep
3: that uh Kentucky does, but they do just the same with the exception of Grayson Allen. Think of in the last five years how many people have plowed through Duke and won and done their yeah. way into the NBA. Yeah. He just outright said it. You know, he was the Mark Cuban, yeah, we're tanking. I've He's outright said it, yeah, I get guys ready to go to the NBA, which is weird, because he says that, but then goes out and gets top recruits. It's You know, you can show up at someone's house and go, okay, well do you want to play in the NBA? Come hang out for a year. Maybe two if you need to, but he just doesn't He doesn't lie. He, he's one of the only people in college sports
0: that just kind of tells you what he's thinking. Yeah, and I do respect that. Um, I just feel like a lot of these players, it's almost like ego. Like, if I'm not one and done, I'm not a real NBA prospect, but I think a majority of these freshmen that are going to turn pro would be better served by playing another year in college and getting stronger and getting better and, and maybe playing, oh gosh, two years in college basketball before... They, uh, they make the turn. I mean, how many players have gone pro after one year and you never hear from them again because they weren't ready and they didn't get their chance. They sat on a bench for a year or two and everybody forgot about them because the next brightest and shiniest thing got drafted. Um, certainly there are 15 to 20 freshmen that absolutely deserve to go pro, should go pro, and will get taken in the first round. It's the next 20, 25 guys that shouldn't go pro, that should play another year, and maybe a couple of them are on Kentucky. I didn't see any automatic, obvious NBA players playing for Kentucky. Okay, Knox, the Alexander kid, they're all going to be NBA players. But and there's, There is some talk that some of those guys might return for a second year at Kentucky, but it almost seems like a badge of honor that if, you don't, if you're not one and done, you're not a true NBA prospect. And again, that's why the rules, one of the reasons, all the rules might change. And might start allowing kids to go straight to the NBA, uh, and maybe at that point there's a little less pressure to play right away. Look at Justin Patton. There's a perfect example. The kid yep. the, the Wolves got who had a terrific year at Creighton but looked like he needed to get stronger and a little more uh, experience before he was going to be ready to play. Now, the injury in the offseason derailed this season, and I, I think when the Wolves got him in the draft, they they weren't counting on him to be a rotation player because they knew – he needed he needed to bulk up, get stronger uh, as a big man to play at this level with men. He wasn't quite ready, um, but he's played some G League this year. But he hasn't played. I mean, if he had played at Creighton this year, you know, he'd probably be looked at as a, a surefire top ten pick. He'd be much more ready to to join an NBA team and be a factor. And I'm not saying it derailed his career, but you look at the Wolves, you don't even hear his name mentioned. Uh, the Wolves, you know, fans talk about. All right, we'll, we'll probably have OKC's number one pick. Let's get a wing player that could be a 3-and-D guy or a, just a three-point shooter and add that to the mix. And Patton seems like kind of a forgotten guy. Not to the Wolves' brass. I'm sure they're counting on him next year. But it some of these one-and-done guys do not do themselves a service by coming out just to be a one-and-done guy. And, and Again, I haven't looked at all the data, but I guarantee you there are more guys that flamed out and never got there and probably wish they had stayed one more year to to get better refine their game and be a higher draft pick. You know, it's funny you brought it up at the beginning.
3: Um if you're not a one and done guy, you're looked at as well, what's wrong with him? Why why did Grayson Allen have to stay four years at Duke when that used to be the norm, when teams used to get four or five seniors on a team every year? And now you look at it and well, like Ron Baker always comes to mind, the kid from Wichita. Mm-hmm. Ron Baker year in and year out was the guy that he made like 15 threes a game, he was electric. But he had to keep staying at Wichita State, and then he gets to the NBA. When was the last time you heard Ron Baker's name in a box score?
0: Yeah, well, actually he is playing a little bit in the NBA now, but I hear what you're saying, you're right. And again, you look at the Elite Eight and you say, God, how does a nine and eleven make the Elite Eight? Well, you look at Loyola's team, Kansas State's team, those aren't freshmen. Those are teams that have had players that have played together for a few years, and that's why more and more we see, you know, we call them these giant upsets and earth shaking surprises but when you've got teams that have played together for years going up against teams that are all freshmen, you're going to see a Kansas State knockoff of Kentucky because those guys have played together longer, and they, they're they men. I mean, they're 2021 20, versus 17-18-19. That does make a difference, and that's why that's not going to change. You're going to see, quote-unquote, surprises and lower seeds advance further than you think because some of these teams have really gotten good, like Gonzaga. That's why they've yep. always been Butler, why they've always been good. They've got a system where these guys are not McDonald's All-Americans. They might be a notch below, and they stay together, and they become teammates, they understand their game, and they can fly through a tournament because they're playing against much more inexperienced kids. Well, Trent hit on it
3: before he left, too, and I thought he was exactly right how great this is for college basketball because if you're not a a kid that can go to a Duke or a Kentucky or... You know, you, you're not a top-tier McDonald's All-American, but you get an offer to go to Loyola, Chicago, or some of those colleges that you don't hear about until March, and now you get this kind of exposure. Think about how great this is going to be for some of these teams that aren't your everyday on ESPN kind of te- you know kind of programs. This is going to build that program up. I mean, Kansas State by isn't any means somebody that needs exposure, but this is just it continues to help their brand out and that's what's going to make college basketball even
0: more fun going into the future. Yep, and for some, it's transfers. The kid from Loyola, Custer, the star of that team, was an Iowa State transfer, wasn't getting the minutes there, goes to a smaller school, and now he's on the verge of being a household name. If Loyola knocks off K-State tonight and Loyola's in the Final Four, everyone's going to know who this Custer kid is. All right, we'll step away, come back, got a couple phone calls to get through. We're going to talk some NFL uh, before we are done, some of the news that uh, happened this week, some exits on the offensive line for the Vikes and uh, what that means about their draft plans and and uh, future free agency plans here as the second wave continues. We'll talk about the, what the pack has done. Lots more coming up. Solo in the Zone right after these.
2: You're in the Zone with Dave Sinekin and Trent Tucker on The Fan.
0: Back with you at 921 on a Saturday morning. You're in the zone. Dave Sinekin riding solo this hour. Trent's off for uh, TV duties for the uh, Minnesota State Boys High School Basketball Championship Games. Being played at Target Center today and tonight. Good luck to all eight squads. We don't talk a lot of baseball on this program. Should probably touch on the big twins news from yesterday. Miguel Sano uh, reportedly will not be suspended by Major League Baseball for the uh, sexual assault investigation that had been ongoing for a number of months, um, conflicting accounts, insufficient evidence, uh, not enough to move forward, apparently, so the uh, the twins know their third baseman will be out there, assuming he's healthy and, and can stay healthy and be out there. And obviously, if anything changes and new information becomes available, they've certainly not closed the door completely. But uh, for Sano for the twins, certainly a, a chance to put that behind them and uh, focus on whether the big guy can, can stay on the field as a healthy player because obviously we know what he can mean, especially offensively, to a team that could certainly use uh, as much pop as possible. So a, a nagging thing kind of sitting there for the Twins has been taken away. We're just a little over a week from the season, right? I mean, doesn't Five days. Starts on Thursday. Doesn't? No. This week? Thursday. Really? Every
3: MLB team opens on Thursday. First time in a real long time, all teams open on the same day. I had no idea. Uh, Are they home or are they on the road? They are on the road. That's probably better. I believe their home opener is April 5th, but I will look that up. All right, so the 1st week. three. They're in
0: Baltimore to start the season, I believe. That's no guarantee in March. No. uh, (laughs) Obviously. Um, All right, so let's uh, let's head to the zone lines. We do have lines open the next couple segments. If you want to talk some football, some hoops, uh, without Trent, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, 651-989-5326 or toll-free 800-320-5326. To Brooklyn Park we go. We welcome our good friend Matt to the program. Appreciate you holding, Matt. What's on your mind this morning besides your Wolverines?
6: Uh, Well, of course, i got to mention something about it. But listen, two quick thank yous. I'm glad you brought up Carson Edwards. I hadn't heard about that, you guys. And isn't it funny, and you guys covered it. I feel the exact same way about Calipari. Isn't it funny that a Matt Painter player did what Edwards did? And a Calipari team did what they did. You know what I mean? I bet those guys on the way into the tunnel, you guys, they were checking their phones to see where their draft status was. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's and probably it true. It's a shame. But you know what's funny about Calipari? Unless I'm forgetting one, that he won the title with the Anthony Davis team. But they didn't win it in the Towns era. So his, he only won one title in Kentucky because maybe he's overrated. Maybe this whole thing's gotten a little boring.
0: I wouldn't call it the Towns era. It was one season. So oh, I'm sorry. I'm not sure an era can be one season. Yeah,
6: um, the towns team, I Dave. thought
0: Kalapari had won a couple. Um, I have the worst memory for he things like that. He has one vacated, I believe. Didn't he have one taken away
3: from him at... Memphis or Boston College no, or something lost, like that. They,
6: they lost to uh, Mario Chalmers hit that three pointer. They lost to Kansas in that one. The Derrick Rose Memphis team. So no, he didn't even win one there. But they were left with sanctions when he left. Of course, you know, like as as, they, they,
0: as UMass was when he left UMass as well.
6: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, Dave, thank you for the continued positivity about Michigan. I still can't believe what I watched the other night. I mean, they don't even have to play that well, and as long as they shoot fifty percent and win by one tonight against the Knolls, that's all I care about. But ever since you have been on their bandwagon uh, for, before the Big Ten tournament. They haven't lost, so keep that up. Um, I wanted to ask, this might be a little off the wall. Dave, are you in advertising? Have I heard you have been, like, an advertising agency?
0: Yep, I have an ad agency, correct. Titletownmarketing.com okay. if you'd like to check out what oh. I do.
6: Well, there you go. Give myself kidding.
0: a little plug. Well,
6: there you go, absolutely. Uh, Mike Golick, Golick and Wingo all week we're talking about all oh, that this this uh, the way this tournament's going with Loyola and Nevada and blah, blah, blah that it's not necessarily good for ratings and for the advertisers. I can't stand that. They kept bringing up the George Mason year when Jim Laranega took them in and how low the ratings were. I totally disagree. I agree with Trent. I think this is great for the game. I could really care less about ratings, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to watch it. But as a pro, Dave, in the industry, do you think that it's really going to hurt the ratings and the sponsors if, say, Loyola gets there or if uh, – a Florida State. I hope they don't get there. And I'm just kind of wondering what your opinion is. And uh, go blue against the Noles tonight. Thanks, guys. Alright,
0: thanks, Matt. Uh, for my money, what hurts the ratings more than who's playing is, is it's where it's being televised. The fact that it's on TBS now instead of CBS, I think, makes a, a big difference. Yeah, a lot of America, most of America has cable or satellite, but there's a huge chunk of America that just has over-the-air stations. Much more than people think. And those people won't watch because they don't get TBS, and I think that's a shame. I think all national sporting events should be on over the air channels. And um, unfortunately, that's, you know, in five, 10 years, they might only be available on streaming. You know, the way things are going, you may have to go watch Facebook or Amazon to watch a Final Four because those companies have all the money. Um, so I think that impacts ratings a lot more than what teams are left. But that said, um, you know, if, if Virginia's still playing, um, let's say Virginia's playing Loyola tonight um that's going to be a lot more intriguing because it's a big guy against a small guy when it's two small guys uh it can impact the casual fan but i don't think um that greatly i think ultimately the fact that the final four is going to have likely you know virginia and not virginia villanova and either duke or kansas ensures that the nightcap next saturday night is going to be you know huge blue blood game but with with teams that were expected to be there on the other side in Michigan or Florida State against k State or Loyola um yeah, I mean you're missing uh, casual basketball fan may not be that into it, but you know for us that love the game man i'm I would love to see Loyola reach the final four, and th- the common argument is it's fun to watch Cinderella knock off the big guy, and then when the dust settles, the reality is, oh great, now I gotta watch you know these two. Small schools, VCUs playing George Mason, who cares? Um, Big-time basketball fans care, because that's such a great story in in this world of ultra-competitive recruiting, when a school like Loyola of Chicago can can find their way into the Elite Eight, just one game away from the Final Four. I think it's a fantastic story. Uh, Sister, what's her name again? Sister Jean, the international brand. Why I can't remember Jean's name, I don't know. But that... That little storyline is what makes this tournament so fun, and it is what draws in casual fans. So, yeah, maybe Virginia would have ultimately carried uh, fans to want to watch them, but I think there are a lot of just regular so-so college hoops fans that don't follow much before March Madness are all about Loyola because of Sister Jean, because of this 98-year-old sister who has been with the program since the 60s, I think 1963, I was almost a year old the last time Loyola got this far in the tournament. And Sister Jean was there. I mean, she was; she's always been a part of this program. And the fact that here we are, 50-some years later, she's still there. Uh, she still fills out a bracket. And a lot of America that follows this tournament now has latched on to Sister Jean. And that's why Loyola is going to be a more popular TV team than I think a typical 11 seed might be. And that, that's one of those little storylines that does make this uh, this tournament so fun to watch. You kind
3: of always need a blue blood. You always need a Duke or a Kentucky or somebody to kind of drive ratings. But if you can't get behind some of the storylines, like Sister Jean uh, Gardzi on um, uh, Monday when he was filling in for Bumper to Bumper had uh, one of the guys from Loyola, Chicago, who's from the Twin Cities, spent some time in, uh, at the University of North Dakota. He is actually Sister Jean's handler. And he had a really great story about how when they were boarding the plane going home from their opening round matchup, he went to go help her out and just looked at her and goes, no, I got this. 98 with a broken hip and walked up all the stairs. And it's all that fun stuff that if if you are the casual basketball fan and you find it annoying that Virginia and Xavier and those teams have been knocked out already, well, this probably just isn't your tournament then. If you only want chalk, watch the NBA playoffs all you're going to get there
0: yeah i mean ultimately for the national championship game you know if it's well i gonna have to win two games to get there but let's just say it's you know michigan not even michigan let's say florida state against villanova that's not real sexy that that's not a story i mean as the the network execs are looking at the possible monday night matchups michigan almost needs to be there for them to get excited about ratings loyola would be a great story but ultimately Loyola-Villanova might get ugly um, just because of the pressure on a bunch of kids that have never experienced anything like that versus a Villanova or a Duke or a Kansas that are yawning because they always get to this point. It might have blowout written all over it and people might be turning off at 8.30 or quarter to nine. Um, now, maybe they'll surprise the world and, and we get the compelling game, but ultimately when it gets to the Final Four, you want competitive games because there's so much on the line and you want teams that, are going to give you, uh, you know, compelling forty minutes of basketball. I'm just not sure Florida State, Kansas State, have those kind of cachets. I would think network execs are hoping for Michigan and Loyola to advance because that becomes a really fun, interesting Final Four game. Yeah, you run into the problem where the
3: the pressure ratchets up too much for the quote unquote Cinderella story that when you get to the championship, if you get blown out, then it doesn't become, then you forget the other five wins you had getting there. Mm -hmm. You're the team that was, it was just, the scene was too big for you. And that's what ends up, what sucks for those guys, is you work so hard, you become the story of the tournament, and then you get beat by, like, 40. And it's like, okay, well, thanks, thanks for showing up. This is why you were an 11
0: seed. To the zone lines we go, let's head to St. Paul. Joe joins us. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Say, I'm not really a basketball junkie like you and Trent, but really, really enjoy the
5: tournament. Think it's been a great tournament. We've had upsets, buzzer beaters, and so on. Um, I wanted to talk about the TV coverage. Obviously, in the early rounds, it's hard to get all the
0: games on. But last night, it seems like they should really spread the games out so you
5: can watch them all. Um, You know, they weren't really compelling last night, but still, even going into the halves, you know, if they could schedule it so you're seeing the whole end of the Purdue game, um, and then also, I wanted to ask you about your Packers additions this year, and and what you think the team will do this year.
0: Okay, thanks, Joe. I'll get to the NFL stuff uh, following the break. As far as uh, how they space out the Sweet Sixteen, you know, it's hard to do it much differently than the way they do because they want to be in prime time, so they can't start before six, which of course is seven Eastern time, and it's four out west. Um, you can't start much earlier than six, and you don't want to go you know, past midnight on the East Coast. As it is, the uh, the late game started about 10 o'clock and 10.20 on the East Coast. So they they give you about a half hour. It did line up perfectly earlier in the night where uh, one game went to halftime and and boom, the second half was just starting on the other game. And you were able to catch a good chunk of the action. I just think it's hard to do much else unless you put them on different networks and you have them competing and you don't want that. You want, uh, you know, it's it's going to be... You've got four, you know, CBS and TBS covering these games. One game on each at the same time. It it is hard to uh, appease everyone who wants to watch the whole game. It's just uh, unless you wait till weekends and 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 play them that way, like we'll see today. Of course, you'll you'll have the two games only one at about five ten, one at about seven thirty, and you're able to watch them both. This is a great weekend to be in Vegas. I know the power trips there. Uh, I used to go Sweet Sixteen weekend forever from like mid eighties through. About two thousand. This was my weekend in Vegas, so uh, I know they're having a blast. And you could talk about going the week before, where there's a million games. But when you get to the Sweet Sixteen, and you got four Thursday, four Friday, they're usually all great matchups. It's as fun a weekend for me as there can be in Vegas, and I'm sure the Power Triple return with some great stories and. Probably empty your wallets when they
3: come home. Well that and they'll probably be back there in about three days. They seem to go to Las Vegas about every it's true, every third week of the month. Yeah. So you you might be able to get back there for opening day even. So. can't uh can't look, blame look them forward for that. to
0: that. Uh we'll step away one final time, come back, switch our attention to the National Football League, talk about some of the news for our two favorite teams in the past week and uh, what might be next on the platter. For both of those squads when we return in the zone on The Fan.
2: You're in the zone with Dave Senekin and Trent Tucker on The Fan. The Fan.
0: All right, back with you, 9.39, final segment to today's edition of In the Zone. Dave Sinekin hanging out with Tony Landry. Trent exited about 45 minutes ago as he gets set for high school basketball state championships on Channel 45 today. That 4A game with Trey Jones at Apple Valley against Daniel Oturu, Creed Durham Hall. Tonight, sometime after 8 o'clock, going to be really fun to watch for Gopher fans to watch uh, Oturu's final game uh, after a great career, at Creighton Durham Hall, and they'll dream about what he might bring to the front line next season. And and Trey Jones, I go back to when Tyus played for Apple Valley in this tournament, and Trey was an eighth grader, I believe, on the varsity and got some minutes. I remember seeing him as an eighth grader, just thinking he's not that much worse than Tyus right now. I mean, oh my goodness, this kid's going to be amazing. And he's had, of course, a very decorated career, and uh, will play his final game for Apple Valley before heading to Mike Shashevsky and uh, Duke for likely one season next year. So uh, a couple of uh, Division I players, um, certainly the teams are terrific, and all the guys deserve credit, uh, but those two leaders have done what they do to get their teams to the 4A championship game. Before that, at 5, it'll be Delano-Columbia Heights. Uh, Heights, of course, knocking off the De La Salle team a couple days ago, 2A Minnehaha against Caledonia, and then this morning at 11, The 1A championship, Russell Tyler Ruthen against Northwoods. Good luck to all the boys. Uh, I talked in last segment about uh, the NCAA uh, tournament at this point now, going to cable only. Uh, I got an email from Wald who says, Dave, thanks for bringing up the fact that the games tonight are not on CBS. I'm a cord cutter having over-the-air TV only. I'm bummed about this regardless of who's playing, especially because of worthless Saturday night programming. Don't get it. These are Elite Eight games. Uh, and he says great show appreciate that yeah i hate it i hate the fact that these games are now on cable and the final four too how is the final four on cable tv yeah you could say it's 21st century everyone's got cable or direct tv or dish no that's that's not the case more and more younger people especially cutting the cords using streaming to watch what they want to watch you got netflix and hulu and that's me. All that stuff. Are you? You're a, you're a cord cutter? Ca-
3: I've lived in Minneapolis for three years. I've never had
0: cable. Yeah, and if it was up to my wife, we would not have uh, cable or satellite either. Um, it, it's just, it's really disappointing to me that uh, you get to a, you know, World Series, NBA Finals, Final Four, all the, the major golf events, all that stuff should be on over-the-air TV. You're doing a real disservice, I think, to your viewers when you make it that way, and uh, I, I just don't get it. So while they feel your pain, and, and Tony, you'll find a way to watch the games. I'm guessing, right? Well, or do you not care that much? No, I have a brother that has direct T V. So uh, if you have like a, a six pack and a couple pizzas and head over well, there,
3: there's that. Or uh, you can download a lot of the apps on like a Fire Stick that I have, for example. And if you have a login, you can watch that way. There's other
0: actually the March- not so not so legal ways to watch. Yeah, I, well,
3: I I do that occasionally.
0: The March Madness Live app, which I have yep. on my phone. Uh, does allow you to watch the earlier round games. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can watch tonight's games on the March Madness app. Maybe you can, and maybe that's. I think for
3: a lot of them too, you only have a limited viewing window. You get like the two hour window, and then it goes away. Oh, I
0: suppose then you have to show your provider. And if yes, like Direct TV, you plug in your numbers and you're watching there.
3: Yeah, that's you can probably- do. It, you can do it that way. Uh, a lot of them have taken a cue from the Masters because the Masters dot com during Masters week, you can watch the whole tournament. Yeah completely free you don't have to have a tv provider so. and you don't
0: have to watch the main broadcast you can watch just amen corner just watch yep. that that uh, feed or one specific group you can just follow one group and that's i think the way the future of, of how some of these big events are going to be televised and and uh communicated to people
3: as the golf junkie of this uh show that's only a couple weeks away by i the
0: cannot wait um for the masters weekend and as um as luck would have it, you know, my wife and daughter will be down in Des Moines playing in a softball tournament. So um, the weekend is for me and the boys, and I'll get to just kind of hang out and watch golf. Less family responsibilities when half the family's out of town. So I am looking forward to. Uh,
3: I'll just wait for my invite. Watching a lot right. of the Masters,
0: you are welcome to come over and uh, hang out that weekend, watch the Masters, I'll bring and the pizzas. Hope that Tiger is uh, is involved. That would be fantastic. All right, some NFL discussion uh, before we are kicked out of here and beyond the pond. Takes over 10 to noon today. The, uh, the Vikings saw a little bit of upheaval on the offensive line this week. As Joe Berger retires, Jeremiah Searles moves on to Carolina. And I, now I'm going to forget the kid's name from Rosemount, who they signed from the Bears. Compton, is that his name? Sounds right. I love um, he joins the fray, and it sounds like he and Kirk Cousins are besties from uh, his time with Cousins in Washington. He was, he's more of a backup lineman type, uh, probably more of a Searles replacement. Um, but uh, clearly, as, you, as Vikings fans look ahead now, you you got your two big signings, you got your quarterback, you uh, fortified the defensive line with Sheldon Richardson. Um, now it's time to address the offensive line, and there's probably not a ton of interesting potential starting offensive linemen still available via free agency. But you know it's that time of year. I always get tweets from you know Packer fans or Viking fans. Um, saying, all right, yeah, good luck. You got no good cornerbacks. So free agency's over, and you know, good luck trusting rookies again. There will be plenty of veterans that are available all the way now into training camp. as As teams, you know, look to get cap health, and you'll see players dropped. Offensive linemen will be dropped. Cornerbacks, receivers, uh, which are players the Packers are looking at right now. Uh, there's still plenty of time left in free agency. That first wave is not the only wave. It's silly money in in many respects and a lot of bigger names, uh, but there are still plenty of players out there at some of the non-sexy positions, like on the offensive line, like at safety where the market's been very soft. Morgan Burnett left Green Bay, and I think he's only getting a couple million guaranteed from Pittsburgh, uh, and there are still a number of big-name safeties out there. So don't panic if you look at your offensive line as a Vikings fan and say, oh, man, we better draft the first three picks, better be offensive linemen. Um, There will be players let go that might look really attractive. And Green Bay right now, they brought in uh, Jordan Matthews, uh, at wide receiver on Thursday, and gave him a look as they look to replace Jordy Nelson with a veteran. Yeah, they've got young kids they like in Geronimo Allison and Michael Clark, but but Green Bay knows they're going to need another uh, wide receiver on the outside. Matthews might be the ticket. He had a nice little run in Philly and went to Buffalo last year, didn't work out so well. He was hurt. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if Green Bay found him, uh, brought him in on a on a cheap kind of prove-it deal. Those are the kind of players now they kind of like to have, like Richardson, like uh, Mo Wilkerson with the pack. One-year prove-it deals. Can you get back to where you were? Uh, those are the kind of players you want on your team, guys that know that they have to prove it to earn another big contract. And there's plenty of those guys out there right now that may not have all the names, Um But from the offensive line standpoint, uh, that has to be the focus moving forward for the Vikes. Yeah, there's still some needs, I would say, on the back end of the defense. Another cornerback would certainly be helpful. Maybe one more linebacker you're going to have to protect against maybe losing one of those linebackers after this season. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked if the Vikes went linebacker early in the draft. There's one there that they really like as Barr slash Kendrick's insurance if one of those guys moves on after next season from a Vikes perspective. Uh, offensive line and cornerback to me are where I would look as uh, as free agency continues, and we're what about a month away from the draft? I don't. Know, do you know how many picks the Vikes have? Do they have more than their seven? Throwing you a little curveball. I was
3: going to say, I was looking at uh, free agent corners, and the only one that I saw right now that's still in the, uh, mainly because he failed a physical, was Brashad Breeland.
0: Yeah, so. Breeland has that foot injury from a long, as a kid, I think is when it first was diagnosed, and was it Carolina that signed him to a big money deal, and then they he failed his physical, and most believe he'll be fine in a month or so. So he'll be a guy that some teams will go after hard. Uh, I think Dominique Rogers Cromarty is a guy I think Green Bay may look at as they try to bring in all the oldest cornerbacks that are left on the market. They have eight picks. Uh, Vikes have eight picks. Yes. Packers have 12 picks. Uh, Green Bay brought in Tremont Williams this week, the long-serving corner for the Pack from, I think, I don't know, O seven or 08 to 14, a former undrafted kid um, who was at Cleveland for two years playing under Mike Pettin, who's now the Packers' offense uh, defensive coordinator, and had a good year in Arizona. He's 35. He got a two-year, $10 million deal, though I'm not sure how that's. uh, It's probably more like a one-year deal. He was graded out as the ninth-best cornerback by Pro Football Focus last year in Arizona. So he had a terrific year at the age of 35. He joins uh, a cornerback room in Green Bay that's pretty empty and pretty young and will serve as a veteran leader, I think, in that cornerback group. Uh, I think Green Bay will hire uh, another one or bring on another cornerback as well before uh, the draft happens, and Green Bay will likely add a couple corners in the draft as well. Uh, For Green Bay, it's cornerback, wide receiver. Um, they like to find another safety, although they feel they've got some young guys to replace Morgan Burnett. But uh, for depth's sake, uh, secondary will be Green Bay's target. Secondary and linebacker when the draft comes up uh, a week from now. Um, And for the Vikes, not a lot of cap room left to to do a whole lot. But again, bargain bin shopping uh, when it comes to free agency over these next four weeks. And then after the draft... When you see what you got and what you still need, there's that, I don't know if it'll be the third wave or the fourth wave after the draft, but uh, there'll be a lot of movement among free agencies as teams realize what they didn't address in the draft or aren't happy about, and there'll be guys out there for the picks. So just don't freak out Vikings fans, Packer fans, about where your team is right now. Uh, wait until, I don't know, August 1st. Uh, you'll have a much better idea of where you are, and then we can talk about which rosters look good. And, and who's favored and all that. But there's a lot to be done between now and then. You could still be a Bears fan. Wait till that first training camp injury and then decide if you're in trouble or not. No, that's so true. I mean, man, and for Bears fans, that's been a rite of passage. You know, which receiver is going to break his foot? This one, this year it'll feel it's like Allen. for the 14th right. year. In and row. now Allen Robinson coming off the ACL and knowing the Bears' luck, he'll go down in flames uh, well before things start uh, cooking for Chicago. But they've added some nice pieces uh, if they can stay healthy. Um, both uh, Allen Robinson and the tight end from Philly, Trey Burton, should give Mitch Trubisky uh, some targets to work with. I'm always intrigued by all the jockeying at the top of the draft, and we saw the trade earlier this week where uh, the Jets went up to number 3 and uh, Indy moved down to 6, which made all the sense in the world. Indy's not looking for a quarterback. Uh, they moved down three spots, and they get, I think, three second-round picks out of the deal, which is a a just a mother load of help for a Colts team that needs it uh, desperately, But you've got the Jets and Giants, or no, Giants and Jets at 2 and 3, both looking for quarterbacks. That's going to be a fun storyline over the next four weeks and all the subterfuge, which quarterback do the Giants like, maybe what they're talking about. There's nothing true because they don't want the Jets to know what they're going to do. It's um, it, it's a fun time when, when teams desperate for quarterbacks jockey. And then one of their big shoot to drop is likely to be Buffalo because the Bills want a quarterback, and they're at like 12 now after trading up and they still have uh the ability to move up into that top 5 top 7 uh and and if they do that they're in play too to steal one of those quarterbacks so it's a it's always a fun time these next 4 weeks as we get set for the draft the NFL draft
3: takes the absolute longest to get to because the season ends in early February and the draft seems to get pushed back by a week every single year just keeps it's almost going to be by the US Open by the time 2025 rolls around but the two names that have been interesting this last week that have flown up the draft charts is Bradley Chubb. Like, now people are saying the reason these moves are going on is because people want to move up as high as they possibly can to get him because now there's reports that if he would have been in the same draft class last year as Miles Garrett, they would have taken Chubb over Garrett. Yeah. And, that's and, like, that's the hot new thing now to talk
0: about. And the Giants are the real wild card because they just traded Jason Pierre Paul, so they they desperately need pass rush help. Um, now that, uh, who is the Vikings' offensive coordinator, Shermer? Yes. Now that Shermer is running the show in the, with the Giants, you know maybe he believes he can coax three, four more years out of Eli. And if that's the case, and they want to try to win now with Eli, that they go pass rusher and not quarterback. And now the Jets have their pick outside of uh, whatever Cleveland does at one. We assume that will be a quarterback. It sounds like Sam Darnold's pro day was a uh, rousing success, and that he's the favorite to go number one. If Chubb goes two to the Giants, now the Jets have their choice. Do they go Mayfield? Do they go Allen? Do they go Rosen? Um, lots of options there. Yeah, that Chubb kid's getting a lot of love that he would have gone ahead of Miles Garrett. And the Giants, I mean, they got no pass rush. And and this is a draft where there are supposedly very few um, difference-making pass rushers available. Chubb appears to be the only sure-fire guy. Uh, it wouldn't shock me at all if the Giants took him at two, especially if Shermer believes... He, you know, he's kind of a quarterback guru. That's his thing. Uh, does he want to go with a rookie and, and put Eli off to the uh, the shadows? I don't think so. So it wouldn't shock me at all if the Giants go defense there at two. Can you
3: imagine if they go Sam Darnold one, and then uh, the Giants take a, a pass rusher, the Jets take a quarterback, and at the number four pick, the Browns get Saquon
0: Barkley you get your starting quarterback and your starting running back. Yeah, and that's I think Woo. that's what I think a lot of people believe could happen or even, you know, if they're worried that Barkley won't be there at four, do they take him at one and say, "You know, we don't feel one quarterback's any better than the other two. We'll take our choice of among three quarterbacks at number 4 and assure ourselves of getting Barkley." For all we know, the Giants are in love with Barkley and want to take him at two. We just have no idea. You never know. Uh, draft junkies like us just eat this stuff up and we'll spend the next 4 weeks as we watch the uh, Wolves and Wild get ready for the playoffs, uh, dreaming about prospects for our favorite teams as uh, as we get set for draft weekend. Uh, we're out of time. Uh, stay tuned for plenty of Puck Talk, Beyond the Pond, a Wild tonight and tomorrow night on the fan, and all the Elite Eight games available on the fan or our sister station, AM 1130 or 103.5 FM. Have a wonderful weekend. If uh, If you're marching today, Uh, March proud, and have a great weekend. Until next Saturday, I'm Dave Sinekin. Peace out.
2: You're in the zone with Dave Sinekin and Trent Tucker on The Fan.